Good morning, everyone. I told myself to do this once, but let's try again. Good morning. All right. Yeah, bear with me. 9.30, they only got once, and I kind of regret that I only asked them once. So, all right. Um, yeah, so as Pastor Todd shared with you guys just now that we're on week four with our series called Flip the Script, and today we're going to talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness, and maybe some of your toes are already curling already, uh, and so hopefully it doesn't break. But um, yeah, it's, it's a topic where I'm sure every single one of us in this room and even those that are joining online, um, it's, it's, you know, it can be difficult. It is difficult. It's challenging, frustrating, um, all kinds of emotions that you and I we can think of. But today we're going to unpack that forgiveness is not an option in our faith. So I just want to make that very clear from the beginning that forgiveness is not an option for us in our faith journey. As God's people, God's um, sons and daughters, that we're called to forgive others because we're forgiven. And Jesus, he makes it very clear that it is a command, command of God. All right? And so if you have your Bible with you, turn to Matthew 18. And then we'll unpack verses 21 to 35. You can look at the screen or you can look at the note. And then we'll go from there. Now, before we go into the text, Matthew 18, to give a little context, right before 18, 17, chapter 17, Peter, James, and John, they, they taste a little bit of heaven right before chapter 18. It's the famous one where, where Jesus, he goes into glory mode at the Mount Transfiguration. So Jesus, he takes Peter, James, and John up in the mountain, and then on this mountaintop, what happens? Jesus becomes God, and then the glory mode just, you know, just magnified, and then Moses and Elijah appears. And so in a way, those three disciples, they're tasting heaven on earth. And so right after 17, this chapter 18 unpacks, and chapter 18 starts with Jesus continues to teach the disciples and I don't know about you, but as I was studying this text, I wonder if the heart of Christ increased with, with greater intensity, with greater intentionality, because why? The crucifixion is just around the corner. And so, having said all that, beginning of 18, we see that Jesus is teaching who are the greatest in the kingdom of God. You know, what would happen to those who stumble followers of Christ in verses 6 to 9? The famous parable of, of Jesus sharing the 99 sheep, where the shepherd leads the 99 to find the one sheep. And even um, this famous parable about how, what a community of believers should do when there's this interpersonal sin and interpersonal conflicts that are taking place. And so Jesus is teaching and teaching for the disciples before um, the climax of his earthly, uh, earthly ministry taking place. And 21, it says this, Matthew 21 to 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, Peter, fact that we're going to pause real quick, the fact that Peter is asking this question, he Scholars have concluded that most likely Peter was assuming a single-digit response from Jesus. I mean, even the fact that Peter is saying up to seven times, that's Peter going the, the extra mile saying, man, I think Christ's going to go three, but then I'm going to go a little high here, and then I'm going to say seven. 
I mean, for Peter, he is trying here. He is trying again. He just experienced heaven right before this. But then Jesus, he responds saying what? Verse 22, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now, in this math equation that you and I, we see, it is very critical that we don't, you know, use our logic in this one as much, all right? We see the heart of this equation where scholars are saying that, yeah, 7 times 70 is 490 times. Some scholars believe that, oh, it kind of represents just a 70 or 77. Whatever it may be, whatever the study Bible that you end up using, scholars have made it very clear that Jesus is not telling Peter to, all right, Tally down, tally you know, 490 times or 70 times or anything like that. No. Jesus is highlighting the heart, the meaning of radical forgiveness. Radical forgiveness. And from Peter's point of view, most likely he was overwhelmed by this number. Verse 23 says this, and then Jesus continues and gives his parable. Therefore, here we go, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay the master order that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Verse 26, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. As I was studying today's scripture, there is a, there's a lot of um, interpretation of this 10,000 bags of gold in verse 24. ESV study Bible says it's about, in U.S. currency, $6 billion. Yeah. Some scholars, some Bibles are saying, no, it's about $100 million. Some say it's like a couple hundred thousand dollars. Point is, going back to the four, seven times 70, the point is, it was a debt where this servant is unable to pay in his lifetime. That's the point of it. A debt that he is unable to pay in his lifetime to a point where his entire family got involved with the situation. So that's why you see in the scripture where this servant, what happened? He fell on his knees, where his knees got weak, and started begging, saying, be patient with me, be patient with me, and I will pay back everything. And even that I will pay back everything, whew, there's no way to that. Both parties know that you're not going to pay, man. You're not going to pay. Even if you have 10 different lives after this, you're not going to be able to pay me. It was an impossible situation. To empathize this first servant here, we understand that when you and I, we have this tremendous amount of debt, keeps us awake at night. Agreed? I'm aiming to that. Shoot. It keeps us awake at night. Nightmares come, whatever. We get fidgety. I mean, it is an overwhelming situation. It is. Now, this servant, what happened in verse 26 or verse 27? He receives this radical forgiveness, mercy. I mean, think about it. Whether you will 
accept $6 billion or a couple hundred million dollars or whatever, a couple hundred thousand dollars, whatever the debt that you're, using, you're going to use, regardless, it's a lot of debt, a lot of currency. It's a lot of negative that this king has to endure. And yet this king, he showed radical forgiveness. So the servant received it. And we have to understand this king had every right for for him to put this servant and his entire family into prison. He did, but he didn't. Now, some or many of us, if you and I were to receive a notification from our bank, American Express, Chase, whatever you use, Capital One, and then they're saying, hey, all your debt is canceled, is forgiven. Glory to God, amen? Your mortgage, bye-bye. Glory. I mean, you would feel like a completely different new person. You, you, can, you feel like if you were to jump off here, you can fly. That freedom, that, that lifting, oh, come on. I believe it's safe to say, all of us, we can agree that this, like gratitude should just, just, just overflow. Gratitude should just overflow naturally. And we even can expect that this servant should have experienced something similar or same. Where this guy would be like, man, I'm going to live a new life. I'm going to be a good person and move on. But then we've seen the scripture where it's not, that's not how it turns out. So verse 28, it says this. But when, this, when that servant went out, the one who got forgiven, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him, pay back what you owe me. He demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay back. But he, the first servant, he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. The first servant who received this radical forgiveness, mercy, I mean, the guy just probably just walked out of the, the king's house, and then the fellow servant just happens to be there. So it happened right away, immediately. And look what happened. His heart is just so wicked and behaved the way he did in the scripture. See, scholars are saying that this hundred silver coins that the second servant owed, again, different, there's a lot of different interpretation, but like some say it's like about, it wages about like 16 bucks or something. Some say it's like a couple thousand, very few thousands. But regardless, compared to the first servant's debt, I mean, it's like not in day. It can, you can't even compare this currency. You can't. Like, and yet, this first servant, what happened? the one who witnessed his several billion slash million that disappearing, and yet he is reacting with such wicked heart. Let's continue. Verse 31. When other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? 
In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I'll read verse 35 one more time time because this is Jesus speaking to the disciples and even to us. This is how my heavenly Father will treat you, each of you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. From your heart. As I mentioned earlier, in the kingdom of God, forgiveness is not an option. It is not a thing where you can just be like, oh, I'll just do it when I feel like it. It's not a thing where you just do it when you're like, oh, I'm in a better place. No, forgiveness is not an option. It is a command from the Lord. And we're called to obey and live it out from our hearts. From our hearts, brothers and sisters. From our hearts. Colossians 3, 12, 13 says, this is Paul speaking. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If, you, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians 4.32, this is Paul speaking again. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. In Matthew 6, this is Jesus speaking. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Every single one of us in this room, online, this entire world, every single one of us, you and I, we're like the first servant. Like the first servant where we had tremendous amount of debt where we're unable to pay our past, present, and future sins. Every single one of us, that's a fact. And yet, What happened? Jesus Christ, he came. God sent his one and only son to die for our past, present, future sins. When you and I, we're supposed to be on that cross and and receive the wrath of God. When you and I, we're meant to be there and receive God's wrath, Jesus, he took it on our behalf. He took the wrath of God on our behalf, became the perfect sacrifice, perfect atonement. And he conquered sin and death. And he rose again three days later. And this, brothers and sisters, the cross, the cross of Calvary, this... Our understanding, our beliefs, our devotion, everything, our faith has to be rooted upon the cross, the blood of the Lamb, what Christ has done for us. What He has done for us.
Because again, Matthew 18, 35, Jesus said, forgive others from your heart. So that means what? Our heart has to be in a place that walks with the Lord. But scripture makes it very clear that every single, all of us, our hearts are deceitful, it's wicked, selfish, it is. Proverbs 4.23 says what? Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And even Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah gives a very clear message saying, your heart is deceitful. Our hearts are deceitful. And the world is telling us what in, in today's world? Oh, follow your heart. Listen to your heart. Keep relying on your own heart. See, in the scripture, when an individual starts to rely on their own heart, they go off, off trail. In our midday prayer meeting, in the Bible study for us, we are going through the Bible chronological order, and we've been going through the Kings, Chronicles, all the great Old Testament texts. I mean, I love it. I'm like having so much fun. It's humbling me. And gosh, we're going through all the kings of Israel and Judah. Whoo, mercy. But the, all the things that they have in common, all the wicked kings that came out after David, all of them had in one comment is that when their hearts are stopped relying on Jesus, on relying on God, when they start freestyling, when they start to take their own steering wheel and start driving through, that's when all of them just went south. Guarding our heart is so crucial. When our hearts are not guarded and not walking in the ways of God, radical forgiveness cannot take place. See, our hearts are guarded and aligned with the Lord when you and I, we remember to declare our holy and awesome God daily in our faith journey. Not just on Sundays, not just on Christmas or Easter or whatever. Every single day in our lives, when you and I, we wake up by the grace of God and mercy of God, where the Lord is the one who bless us with, this, with, the, with the day for us to live out, not for our own selves, but for the kingdom of God. And when we start the day saying, Lord, you are awesome. You are holy. You are great. That changes the whole trajectory right here. Now, every single one of us, we have circumstances, seasons, trials. I mean, this goes on where it is so darn hard to say, man, God, you are good. You are holy. You are merciful. You are great. You are faithful. It's hard. And I'm going to just emphasize on this a little bit more because the heart, brothers and sisters, our heart has to be rooted upon our Savior. Our heart has to be guarded. Our hearts has to be walking with the Lord daily so that you and I, we can be in the presence of God daily and we understand how much we are forgiven. How much we are forgiven. So that by the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit, that our debt, the amount of debt is paid in Jesus' name by the blood of the Lamb, the precious blood of the Lamb. In church, can I just say this? I will. I'm here. You, you and I, we need the spiritual grit. 
It's one thing that I stand here, Pastor Todd, Pastor Tony, or whoever comes up. It's one thing that we stand here and tell you guys A, B, C, D, and then you try to apply. But the thing is, there's so much that us as pastors, we can do for you in your faith walk, in your journey, that you have to take that step, the leap of faith, saying, you know what? My life sucks. My life is upside down. I'm overwhelmed with this. I'm overwhelmed with, overwhelmed with that. I'm just going nowhere. I have doubts. I have anxiety, depression, whatever the list goes on, that I have to stand here saying, you know what? Despite what I'm seeing, God is still with me. And in faith, I'm going to verbalize. In faith, I'm going to believe and trust the invisible God. And I'm going to take the leap of faith, even if I am feeling so out of place, uncomfortable, even if I feel like a, like a fish out of the water, whatever it may be, church, brothers and sisters, until you take the leap of faith, your heart will always just be unguarded. Guarding our heart means that we go in faith. Guarding our heart means that in faith, I believe Jesus is still with me. Even my life is crazy right now. And how do we get there? How do we get there? We get there by spending time, intimate time with the Lord. We get there by you dedicating X amount of minutes, time of your day, consistently, where you dedicate your time with the Lord and you spend time with the Lord. You spend time with the Lord. <laughs> That's how we're going to get there. That's how we're going to get there. When our vertical worship with the Lord, our vertical relationship with the Lord, when that is deeply rooted, when we seek God, when we hunger for Jesus, when we prioritize the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters, we understand that our, we are wretched souls then Jesus, he will remind us that my son, my daughter, man, my blood is greater, is stronger. I've forgiven you. I knew your past. I knew your past, present. I knew your future, and yet I still died 2,000 years ago. And the blood that was spilled, that was shed on that cross, it is still speaking, amen? That blood is still active, amen? It is still alive. And this is not just some figure of speech here, brothers and sisters. Man, Holy Spirit, come on. Speak, Lord. We can't forgive radically. We can't forgive others radically if you and I were lacking the intimacy with the Lord. That's the truth right there. You can try all you want to forgive others. 
But then deep down in your heart, you know that your vertical relationship with the Lord, if it's, if it's not rooted upon Jesus and what he has done on the cross, celebrating, worshiping the Lord for this radical forgiveness that we receive, then forgiving others is impossible. It is impossible, church. Some of the pastors that I've, that I've been following in, in, in the season of my faith walk with the Lord, all these great, renowned pastors, they're, sharing, they're saying almost everything very similar. They're all sharing this common denominator right now in today's season of our lives right now in this, this country. Whew, Jesus, have mercy in this country. And even this whole world, but especially right now with how the churches are supposed to respond. All these pastors in New York, California, like Florida, and even in, in Denver area, like all these churches that I've been following, all of them are saying that, man, we need to know Jesus once again. We need to know the heart of the Father once again. And um, to unpack the word knowing, K-N-O-W, right here, is not just simply with your logic. It's not just simply knowing some scriptures, but knowing someone with that intimacy, knowing the heartbeat of Jesus Christ, knowing the person of Christ, knowing the person of Christ, brothers and sisters. That has to be, that has to be it. That's step one right there. I was so convicted earlier this year when God revealed to me, are you seeking to know me or are you just trying to do things for me without knowing me? For those of you that are married, come on now. I don't have to unpack as much, right? When your spouse is doing half-heartedly, saying things half-heartedly, you know. And you don't want that. Even if intentions are nice, you don't want no half-hearted devotion. You don't want no half-hearted affection. Do you? Do you? No, right? Hopefully not. Shoot. My wife deserves my 110% heart, devotion, affection, and I have to admit, I can do better. And there are moments where my wife tells me that. Hey, come on now. And And I admire that a lot because why? Half-hearted devotion is where it's at. I mean, I'm sorry, wholehearted. Did I say half-hearted? Oh, mercy. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Forgive me, huh? See? Forgiven. Wholehearted devotion right there. Wholehearted devotion. Whew, the grace of God is good. I'm going to share, as we wrap up, share these applications. I'm just going to go down the list and then we're going to unpack. And I got this application from Pastor uh, Michael Miller. He's a pastor at a church called Upper Room, um, Dallas Church. It used to be a prayer room, prayer meeting that the Lord just blessed and then just became a church in Dallas. And, he's, and he had a sermon about forgiveness in the recent 
months, and I just listened to it, and I believe it's pretty profound, in my opinion. Um, and truly, it does flip the script. And so here we go. First one. The applications, applications that I'm about to share is actually you know, how we can be radical forgivers. Acknowledge the pain and blame. So when someone hurts you, when you and I were victims and we were hurt, acknowledge the pain and blame. Acknowledge it. Don't ignore it. Acknowledge how it is, what they are. Acknowledge it. Number two, identify with their humanity. So their humanity as in those that hurt you, humanize them. <laughs> You'll be like, oh, please, if you know that person, how can I? All right? But humanize the, the uh, other person or people. Number three, refuse to take revenge. Oof. Refuse to take revenge. Oh, it's hard. Number four, being a radical forgiver. Be willing to endure the pain inflicted. Be willing to endure the pain inflicted. Last one. This is my favorite. Bless them. Bless them. Bless those who hurt you. Bless them. See, Pastor Michael used Joseph's story in Genesis 45 to unpack the, the five points. Because just to give a brief summary of Joseph, he had many brothers, got sold. The brothers sold him into slavery. Joseph ended up in Egypt. And then in Egypt, he was tempted, mistreated, injustice left and right. But then in, the, in God's sovereign plan, what happened? Joseph went from true underdog story, in a way, from bottom to top, where he was right underneath Pharaoh in terms of leadership. Many years passed by. God, he... Plan, he made this uh, drought to come into the scene. And so the brothers, all brothers had this holy reunion. And I say holy because God's mighty hand is upon the situation. And the brothers and, and Joseph, they're all in the same room. But the brothers, because it's been so long and they assumed that Joseph died, that they couldn't recognize him. And Joseph intentionally hid his identity from the brothers to make sure the brothers have changed. Or some kind of transformation has taken place morally and ethically. And G Genesis 45 is the whole text where J Joseph shows his radical forgiveness to his brothers who sold him to slavery. His own flesh and blood sold him to slavery. And in the dialogue, it's a beautiful, I mean, immersive-driven dialogue where Joseph is saying, man, brothers, you did wicked things, but gosh, God had everything in store. God was sovereign over all situations. It was God's divine plan for me to go through all the things that I've gone through and to be second in command in Egypt so that through where he was, that his family and the Israelites would be alive and they won't die from the drought. And so 45, is a, it's a powerful text when Joseph is showing radical forgiveness. But we have to understand that Joseph was, I mean, he, he was, he didn't forgive radically because he was a goody-goody person, no. I, I truly believe Joseph was able to forgive his brothers because of his heart and devotion to God. 
his love for the Lord, his hunger for the Lord, his, his genuine desperation and the zeal for the Lord was so rooted that despite what happened, he was able to look back and say, holy moly, I went through all kinds of things, and yet here I am. fact that he was so rooted upon God that he was able to what? Forgive his brothers. And the five points that, that I shared with you earlier, I'm pretty sure Joseph had many times, many moments where he was able to acknowledge the pain and the blame that he received from his brothers. I'm sure there are moments where he went to throw chairs across the room. Identif- but the fact that he identified the brothers as human beings, That's God's work right there, amen? And I'm sure it wasn't an overnight thing. No, it took, I bet you, it took years and years and seasons and seasons and seasons after for him to be in a place to forgive his brothers and humanize them, empathize them. And the fact that he refused to take revenge, come on. The guy was in a position where he can just simply look at the servant and the servant be like, yes, sir, and then just take the brothers away. Or even tell the brothers to lick at my feet when you talk to me. Like it, was, it wasn't that platform. But instead, what happened? He was talking to them like human beings. Be willing to endure the pain inflicted. Those little pops, pop-ups. You know what I'm saying? You guys understand the little pop-ups that we have where we feel like, oh, I've forgiven this person or this situation. But then let's just say one day you're walking, la, 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 la. And then something triggers, something happened. A comment, a person or event where you just remember, oh, snap, hold on time. Wait a little minute. I remember what happened last year. And then you kind of going through the whole process again. And sometimes we have a little setback or sometimes we move forward depending on where we are. I'm sure Joseph had many of those. And the fact that Joseph was able to bless them, bless his brothers. If Joseph's heart was not, once again, rooted upon God and his faithfulness, on God's promises, on God's glory, if his heart was not rooted upon who God is, or was in his life, this guy would not have been able to forgive his brothers radically. See, number two to five from the application, ah, it's hard. And as I stand here, brothers and sisters, the fact that I stand here right now in front of you, it's a testimony of God's faithfulness and goodness because why? Even I got backstabbed, I got talked crap behind my back, I got cussed out at, I got misrepresented, misunderstood, everything. From my own families, work, friends. And there were moments where I wanted to throw the chair across the room, saying, God, what the heck is going on? Why is this happening Why is this, like, why? And as I was preparing this message, the Lord reminded me that 
the experiences that I had were real, obviously. It was real. But he kept on reminding me this, church, that number one, I'm a sinner too. And I'm not perfect whatsoever. And because I am forgiven by God, because I belong to Jesus, what he shared with me was, you're able to forgive others as well. Not because of your own strength, not because of your own might, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, day by day, season by season, we're able to forgive others. And God is inviting me to go on this journey every day. As I stand here, I, I'll be lying to you if I say, oh yeah, all the people that, that did me wrong, that messed me up, oh yeah, I forgive them. No, I'll be honest, man. It's, every, it's a battle. That's a battle even for me. I wish I was at a place where I can say, yeah, I've forgiven them. I'll be honest. It's a journey. It's a heck of a journey. But what keeps me going is that I am forgiven by Jesus every day. And to exalt Jesus, to glorify Jesus, to honor our God, to prioritize his kingdom, the Lord called me to obey his command. The Lord has called me to obey, has called us to obey. And brothers and sisters, obedience to God and his commandment is the way we show love to Jesus. John 15, Jesus said, obedience to his commands. That's how we show love. Obedience that comes from the broken, contrite heart, but that is so dependent upon Jesus. Our attendance is not going to save us. It's not going to do it. But our walk with the Lord every day, whether we're young, whether we're old, our walk with the Lord, despite the highs and lows, despite all kinds of things, when we go to God saying, Lord, here I am to worship you, to exalt your name, and God, I just want to be in your presence, and I know that you will deliver, and I know you will provide. When our dependency upon the Lord increase, that changes things. So to be a radical forgivers is when you and I, we are radically forgiven. And when we are radically forgiven, brothers and sisters, we are undone. We are undone. In the presence of the living God, we are undone. Trust me. And the world, the, the world is always saying, no, don't be undone. You look like a fool. And so the question is, are we going to be undone in the presence of God? truly surrender, truly let go, and, and seek the kingdom daily, even if it's five minutes a day, even if it's a couple of minutes a day where we say, God, here I am. I want to know you. I want to encounter you. Help me to know you 
Oh, help me to know the person of Jesus Christ today. See, even lifting that prayer up, brothers and sisters, he will honor that. He will honor that. But starts today. Start today, church. Start today. Let's pray. Lord, God, we don't want to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough troubles on its own. God, we want to be fully present today, even after this service, as we go back to our own um, homes or places that we need to go, people to see Jesus even today, that our hunger and our joy and our delight in you will not stop as soon as we leave this property, but Lord, that it will increase, oh God, that it will increase like never before. That even in our drive, oh God, even when we are eating dinner with our families and other schedules that we have, Jesus, that even then, even today in Jesus' name, oh God, that you will give us a fresh revelation that despite our doubts, despite our reservation, despite where we are in our lives right now, Jesus, that your blood, oh God, your precious blood, made us whole, has made us white as snow, and that we are your sons and daughters in Christ. So God, we ask for the supernatural encounter, supernatural touch of heaven in our lives right now. I pray for each of the households, oh Lord. I pray for the redemption and the restoration. I pray right now in this very moment to all of our parents, to all of our grandparents, our uncles and aunts, Jesus, our godparents, O oh Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you will speak truth into their hearts and their lives right now, that they are forgiven by you and you alone. And to all of our beloved young generation in this room and online, Jesus, Jesus, that you recruited a bunch of teenagers, that you discipled a bunch of teenagers to and you gave them authority to drive out demons, to bring healing, miracles, and to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. So God, we pray for strength and courage and the presence of the living God to fall fresh upon them. And Lord, Help us to know you, God. Help us to know you, Jesus. Help us to know you. Help us, Lord, to know you more with intimacy.